Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa usalli, wa usallim, ala Nabiya al-Kareem, Nabiya Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altaw sahla, wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'ta sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik, ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right, okay, so, sorry about that folks online. Yeah, um, we've got the same internet issues. And to be honest, I think I've had enough of that. So they better sort this out next week, otherwise there's going to be major trouble. Yeah, I don't care whose end it is, they're going to get a kick up that end. Um, right, so uh, what do we want to do? What's any big news since last week? Since last week, uh, anything happened? I'm not even being shararati, I'm, I'm literally being honest. Have I got to cover any things before we jump into the lesson? No? We're all happy? Everyone's happy? You're looking at me like I'm missing something. We congratulate. City? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man City... Uh, uh, absolutely we're men. Man City, best team of the country, best football, worthy champions. Man United miserable, Mourinho miserable, made all us rubbish. Our big, our biggest games were some fluky any things that we don't even know how we won. The worst thing was I went to that West Brom game. That West Brom, that, that, that you deserve that punishment. And uh, we support Liverpool in Champions League. I do anyway. I support all the UK teams in Champions League, and uh, that's it. Simple as that. Easy come, e- easy come, easy go, huh? Can you go say that the City? No, no. No, no, I was supporting Liverpool against... Uh, I was supporting... No, no. I was supporting Mohamed Salah against uh, City. I wasn't supporting Liverpool. And now that City are out, I'm supporting Liverpool. And they should do Roma in. And I think it'll be a good final. Yep. I'm easy like that. Alright, okay. So, we're in the chapter of the Takbir. We mentioned last week a couple of things about it. And uh, I want to finish off some of the points. Uh, the one thing I missed uh, from the Sharh of Al-Mumti'ah the text that is relevant to this is وَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ And he says Allahu Akbar. So this is after having established the prayer line. Um, and last week we spoke about the different opinions with respect to the ulama on whether you can enter the prayer up with the words other than Allahu Akbar. And we said only the Hanafis have this position and it's not acceptable. And neither is a Shafi'i position which is that you can use uh, you can only use Allah Akbar, but you can change the order. We said, no, the Hanbalis and the Malikis have got it correct. It has to be exactly Allahu Akbar in that way, in that manner. No changing, no equal meanings, no uh, changing order. And that's it. That's a condition. That's because the Prophet ﷺ has only been reported doing that. Because the Prophet ﷺ insisted that's the only one of the key actions of the prayer, one of the pillars. All right. We also mentioned if a person is unable to be able to say something like that, what do they do? We said that... Um, uh, he tries his best, but he doesn't fake it. Uh, uh, because the takbir is more than just being said on the uh, tongue or the lips. It's a, a meaning, it's an expression, it's a feeling, it's a, it's, a, it's a belief, it's a living. When you exclaim the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just the lips, lips are just one aspect. So you know what, if the lips fail you, then the rest of it's got to work. So this idea that some scholars said that, you know what it is, okay, you believe in your heart, but just kind of blag it on the lips. No, there's no such thing. If you can't say it, or you're mute, or you're whatever, then you don't say it upon the lips. You believe it in the heart, and that'd, that'd be sufficient. Um, there is a, a, a question. 
the Sheikh says, Sheikh Uthameen, at the bottom of page 2020, 20, he says, uh, the author, he said, وَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ He says, Allahu Akbar. What is the meaning of said or says? Right? What's the definition of say? Because say means to speak and speak means to use your tongue. And what is the condition? As many people will know, um, when you're taught as kids, you're told that you need to hear yourself. You need to hear yourself when you recite for it to be considered. Right? So Sheikh says, He goes, in this issue, there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. Have you checked, by the way, on the portal that they are receiving everything proper? Yeah. Um, and so from the scholars, some of them said, it must have a sound. So the position of the Hanbali school, established, Mu'tamid, established opinion of the Hanbali school, is that he must be able to hear himself. If he can't hear himself, then the prayer is invalid, or the recitation is invalid. And if the recitation is a condition for the prayer, so if it was recitation of a surah, then it wouldn't matter, technically. But if it's the takbir, or the fatiha, as we're going to find out, these are essential aspects, arkan of the prayer, and therefore you didn't recite it, therefore the prayer would be invalid. So... That's according to them a condition. You've got to be able to hear yourself. And if he doesn't, uh, even, and they, and they add the caveat, that even if the person next to you doesn't hear you, but you have to have been able to hear yourself. Okay? So, So if he recites, and he knows he recites, but he can't hear his recitation, then this recitation is not considered. It hasn't been given a illegal position. Sheikh Uthameen comes straight in and says, but this is a very weak statement. Uh, and the correct position, It is not a condition that he has to be able to hear himself. As long as he knows that he recited it, and fulfilled the conditions of the recitation, meaning the makharij have been felt. What's the, you know, of course, ahkam and tajweed is a big thing these days. And you need to know that uh, there are different aspects to yani, knowing how to recite. Uh, makharij is the plural of the word makhraj, and makhraj means an exit a, a part, exit point. And in the art of recitation, the makhraj is referring to the actual place and manner that a particular sound and letter mm-hmm. is recited when you, recite, when you read Arabic. And then, of course, more so when you recite Quran, because that becomes a, a more important science. So, and these are obviously differing words that make up different letters that make up different meaning words. And if a person knows that he recited that and said it, but he didn't hear himself, Sheikh Uthameen saying, then that recitation is fine. Because there could be different reasons. Maybe the guy's sound is weak, maybe he's ill, and maybe he's in a very loud area. So there's lots of sound, and he's actually reciting quite loud, but he can't hear himself. Right? So it's not even a case of feeling that you're reciting. It's a case of that the humblies are saying that you've got to actually hear yourself. And there's, to be honest, there's no evidence for that. Uh, so Sheikh says, As long as a person is absolutely sure and certain that the sound has been made, that the words have been recited, as long as that person is sure, then we're okay. Then we're okay. All right? Farrajih. Uh, uh, and it's clear that he's okay and it's clear that he has fulfilled that which the general evidences prove and that is that he just has to say there was no yani, 
uh, he makes a nice point here. He goes, when we say something about, when, when we tell a person, say this, and then we say, say it so you can hear yourself, that's a ziyadah al asl. You're actually asking him to say something more. Because what you're saying is to say it loudly. Then you're going to define loud. And you say loud enough for yourself. Or loud enough for the person next to you. Or loud enough for everyone to hear. So these are all extra parts. So when the hadith say, say, then the saying is just to say it. It's not a condition to actually have to make it loud enough to hear yourself. Now, obviously people do that to be able to keep concentration. That's fine. And it's okay for you to increase that because that's a human kind of uh, you know, response and the issue is flexible. But there is a problem if you become so loud that you start to uh, uh, disturb someone. Just come to my mind the video that I posted on Facebook. I think the funniest uh, Facebook video that I've posted and I've posted many. This one I think I posted a year ago. And, um, and uh, Wallah, to be honest, is worth finding. It is, it is one of the all-time classics. It's a Saudi guy. <laughs> it's a Saudi guy, and he's basically... He's, he's, I, he just, I sympathize with this guy so much, he is completely me. He's obviously been in the message, had a really bad experience. Okay? And you need to feel his passion. Right? You need to feel his passion. My goodness, that guy. Where is he, man? Don't tell me it's my... Oh, hey, hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, how do I do this, Shaz? Just yeah, it. make it come in the camera and let's hear it as well. I'll put it here, isn't it? Huh? How? How do I do that, Yara? I, I mean, you can go to the Facebook and look at it there, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is good enough. You can see the picture on the screen, yeah? Okay. This is, this is a guy who's come out of Salah and he's in his car. He's about to have a run, okay? Oh my god, oh my god, this is, is the best ever. Rough translation, <laughs> he's obviously in Salah, and you know, it's the Arab kind of thing. You know, Arabs and Pak's obviously are very different in their prayers. You see a Pak, yani, they're all silent, dead, whatever, they have no idea what they're saying, and they're just, you know, you know literally in a state of kind of, you know, rigor mortis while they're praying, right? Arabs are, I've been talking about this a lot. They know what's happening. They know the language. They do a lot of moving around and they're all chilling, you know, and they've gone over the boundaries. They might know, but they don't care about it anymore. Yeah, we're talking about generalities. And so when a person is trying, especially the Arabs, they do try and get a bit emotional, you know, and they will try to go, Alhamdulillah, you know, they'll add a little bit of extra mazah to their own recitation. And he's saying, Yanni, what are you doing to me? This guy is saying, he goes, all I can hear is you. And he goes, when I see your voice, Yanni, with this little kind of, you know, this naif, uh, Yanni, meaning this, um, this lean, this kind of uh, fake emotion. That you kind of, you know, I'm not going to name that Qari, Yanni, but I destroyed him in Mecca just, Yanni, last week. I took him down every time he recites. Every time he recites one eye, he pretends to cry. You know, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yanni, you know, person is asking you to recite. And you all know who I'm talking about. The most famous Qari that is. 
every time you hear his voice, it's just like, yani, just like a, a, you're thinking the guy's weeping his eyes out. Nothing at all. So what's the fake crying for? What's all this adding of fakeness to it? It's horrible. It's horrible. It destroys the qara'ah. It destroys the khushu. It destroys sincerity. And anyway, this guy is giving it all this, that, whatever. Anyway, forget that. Anyway. As he says, Rayhna. He goes, yani, save us. Have mercy upon us. Yani, leave us alone. We don't want to hear your recitation. When we go to a masjid, we just want to focus. So no, it's, uh, on a serious point, you shouldn't be doing it so loud so that the other person next to you is getting uh, disturbed. Okay? Um, and then... Uh, we spoke about the words that it has to be Allahu Akbar and not Allahu Al-Akbar or Al-Ajal or something like that because the uh, uh, dhikr is ibadah and ibadah is tawqifiyah. Tawqifiyah we've spoken about before, meaning from the word waqf, meaning that, that, that uh, 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 it's not something you can make up yourself and make your own decision to change. When it is revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as an act of worship, then it has to be then brought exactly in that way. It has to be done in that fashion because if you don't, then the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ comes into play. Whoever does an action that is not from our actions, then it is rejected. So someone who's going make up as he's going along, especially when the Prophet ﷺ has never ever given a version of the takbir other than Allahu Akbar, then what on earth are you actually trying to uh, uh, say? Um, and also, um, what about if a person says, uh, Allahu Akbar. What do you think? Okay, so, and that's that, this is why the discussion has to be said. Okay, Mu'min said, as an Arab, it's the same. Allahu. No, it's the same argument. Al-Akbar. Oh, sorry, the, 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 yani, you mean thingy. Okay, all right. Yep, good. Good. You're either going to say you can use anything else or it's got to stick to the exact word itself. That's fine. But let's just say that Al-Akbar and Akbar are the same thing. Are they the same thing? Is it correct? Allahu Al-Akbar. Allahu, yani to break it down, Allahu Al-Akbar. Which would be Allahu Al-Akbar. Which, to be honest, you say, yani, you hear people saying anyway. Because they just can't say it right. Okay? Or Allahu Akbar. Which said quickly is Allah Akbar. Yeah? What's the difference between the two? Yes, yeah, yeah. What's the difference between the two? Yes, Zakaria. Come on, yalla, quickly. What's Allah Akbar mean? Allah is the greatest. What does Allah Akbar mean? Allah is bigger. Okay? Zakaria, what does Allahu Akbar mean? Allah is bigger. Allah, you're the black. You're just copying Maman. Right. Yes? Anybody? Yes? Allahu Akbar means Allah is the greatest. Allah is the greatest. Okay. And Allahu Akbar is Allah is great. Is great. Yeah. What does Isma Tafdil mean then? Af'ala. What does af'ala as a verb mean then? If you say Allah is great, is that's, that's, that's Allah kabir. Allah is great. Or Allah is big. Come on folks. Uh, don't be getting all yani, technical because I don't understand anything of that adjective noun. Translate it yani, into baby talk. I don't do adjectives and nouns. 
I, yes. It's like encompasses everything and, and because of what reason? From an Arabic grammar, grammatical point? No. No. You're there, you've explained it, but what's the reason for what you've just said? Simple, simple reason. Huh? What? What about the Liflam? No. Yeah, it does. But with that, you're saying that the other one is greater. The other one, which one's more better? Akbar. Why? And what's that called when it's not definitive? Nakira, correct. Okay, in the tenkir of the word, okay, we've said before, and you'll see this all over the Quran, that when you find a phrase which is left undefined, nakira, okay, without alif lam, all right, because alif lam makes it the, right? The argument basically is if you say Allahu al-Akbar, now actually, technically speaking, al-Akbar is good because it means you are the perfect, right? But in actual fact, what's going on when you're saying al-Akbar is that you're kind of saying that a person could be Akbar and Allah is Al-Akbar. It's like you're comparing two kind of states and saying that one is actually bigger than the other one. You would, you would use Al-Akbar to basically say he is actually bigger than that person. You kind of specify the, you specify the, 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 the discussion. And by specifying the discussion, what do you unwillingly do? You restrict Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the, that's the beauty of the Arabic language. Whereas if you keep it as Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater, and don't even then include then the Al-Mufaddal, yani that which is to be compared to, you're living open, then it basically means Allah is greater than absolutely everything and anything and absolutely the perfect and, and, and. It makes him, that it's, it's ironic in Arabic language that by making it indefinite, you make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supremely and the most definitive, greatest of all. And that's why Allahu Akbar remains uh, like that, other than the argument that you just heard that the Prophet ﷺ never ever recited Al-Akbar uh, anyway. Alright? Okay. So then back to the bottom of page 22, just to finish off this particular section. Sheikh Uthameen, he says, um, what does it actually mean, Allahu Akbar? What does the phrase actually intend when we say that? And Sheikh says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most high, is greater than every single thing in his self, that he is greater than absolutely everything in of himself as a self, in his names and in his characteristics. He is greater than absolutely everything possible. And every single possible meaning that the words and realities that they can actually have, Allah is perfect and greater in that as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدَرِهِ وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ مَطْوِيَاتٌ بِيَمِينِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zumar that they did not describe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the correct way. Yani they did not yani do justice to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala in how He should be described, in how He should be uh, seen and considered, and I translated this yani, for the most uh, uh, to to be more accurate, so that we get a, a proper feel for this. These people have no grasp of Allah's true measure. 
these people have no grasp of Allah's true measure. That's a beautiful description in the Quran. Okay, in Surah Zumar, this is verse 67. Okay, in Surah Zumar. Um, of, of, of what we mean when we say Allahu Akbar. These people have no grasp of Allah's true measure. On the day of, resurre- on the day of resurrection, the whole earth will be in His grip. Yeah, you think about that. You know when we're talking about discussions of great and power and big and important and so on and so forth. Okay? The whole earth will be in His grip and the heavens, which is absolutely everything else, absolutely everything else, will be rolled up in His right hand. It will be rolled up in His right hand. Glory be to Him, Subhana. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, The day that we shall roll up the skies. Okay? Like a scribe rolls up his scrolls after he's finished. So, so just as a person yeah, and he finishes his writing, he wait, holds it like this and he waits for it to dry. And then he just rolls it up. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's nothing yani, that we can use as a parable to compare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, especially using his creation. But Allah gives a metaphor for us to at least give context. That on that day, that the entire heavens will be just be rolled up like a scroll rolls up his scribes. We shall reproduce creation just as we produced it the first time. This is our binding promise and we shall certainly do all of these things. And again, an expression of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, we only really kind of get that feel once we start to study Quran and Sunnah uh, and the tafasir. And, you know, there was, it was on Umrah and one of the young lads, after he was reading Ayat al-Kursi, he said, is this, you know, the hadith about the Kursi will blow your mind, actually. You know, this is why it's always encouraged for us to read hadith. Always read hadith. Because it gives you a very good connection, close connection to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, yani, has allowed us to know about him. It's a mercy. It's a mercy. Imagine he didn't tell us about these things. That the size of the kursi to the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like the, 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 the ring which is thrown into the desert. Yani a ring which is thrown into a desert. And anyone who watches these programs day to day and they see the vast expanses of these deserts, it's not something which the mind can grasp. And that's why the word Akbar is perfect. Not Al Akbar, yani trying to restrict Allah that Allah is better than him, so he's Al Akbar. But Allahu Akbar is great. Everything that you're about to think of, everything that you can consider, everything that you thought that you did a really great job of, every attempt, every modeling, every quantum computer model that you used, every any scientist, every kind of development and, and discovery of the size of this and the greatness of that, whatever, all of it is a poor attempt. Because Allah has said, وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ That is every single CERN and every single reactor and every single splitting of the atom and every single, every attempt to try and understand the power of uh, the creation, the size of the creation, which is happening all the time at the cost of trillions. Okay? After all of that, Allah still says, 
and they did not give Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his true measure. They did not judge him correctly. They did not understand him correctly, subhanahu. All right? And that's why Allahu Akbar is great. And that's why when Ibn Taymiyyah spoke about the takbir in the prayer, he said that what's sometimes so important yani in the prayer is to understand that the takbiratul ihram, which is the, the entrance, has partners in the takbirul intiqal in the middle of the prayer because when a person starts the prayer and then shaitan comes to him and starts whispering, you start to get lazy, you start to forget where you were, you start to then, you know, your mind starts to wander elsewhere, whatever, whatnot. That shaitan at that moment is taking your mind elsewhere. And at that moment, you've made the subconscious, yeah, and not a conscious decision, but a subconscious decision to say, Allah is not as important as my lunch, as my work, as my whatever I need to do, whatever I need to find, whatever I need to plan, because it comes to your mind. And you made that decision because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking at you in the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith of At-Tirmidhi that when a person stands to pray, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with them in a ma'iyah, which is not a physical one, but he is with them in his presence subhanahu wa ta'ala looking at that person directly. And he continues to look until the slave turns away. The slave never turns away physically. No one you ever saw in the prayer do a 90 degree turn and say, I'm not looking at you, Allah. It's a turning away of the heart and the mind. Right, So something came in at that moment in time and you made the subconscious decision that it's more important or more fun or more easier or more relaxing to think about that thing or enjoy that thing or stress or worry about that thing. It doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative or good or bad. The point was it was more important than your divine audience right now. And that at that moment, you decide that something is greater. So one of the beautiful wisdoms of the takbir, and Sheikh Uthameen is going to ask a question in a minute as well, about why is it that yani, we have this takbir. And we don't know, but we can give some kind of wisdoms. One of them is that it just brings us back into the, into the game. Yani, okay, listen, hold on, I need to now re-get control of this prayer. Allahu Akbar. And then you go into ruku'ah. And when you're in ruku'ah, you now reset. And everything that you were doing with respect to you know, your mindset, now you're in a different chosen act of worship where you're just proving to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you're willing to sacrifice, you're willing to obey. Because a person could argue, if you're talking to a non-Muslim, we had this discussion, I had this discussion on, um, I was teaching the online uh, class to behind the scenes with Omar Suleiman uh, yesterday. And I was saying that when you think of the prayer itself, the prayer has not been legislated because of intrinsically the prayer. Just like charity has not been legislated because of charity and fasting has not been legislated because of fasting. All of these are expressions of one thing and that is sincerity and discipline and sacrifice. Basically Islam, submission. Are you willing to listen to Allah and obey Him? And if you are, then Allah wants you to do that by submitting through forms of expression. Whether that is a prayer, whether that's fasting, whether that's hajj, whether that's umrah. Sometimes He'll mix it up so he'll change the descriptions and the types. So Umrah is going to be different to Hajj, and Janazah prayer is going to be different to Salatul Fard, and the Fard from the Nafila, and the Fajr from the... And if a person doesn't see it like this, he's always going to be just يعني, very peripheral from his religion. These are the people that you often see get you know, invited to talk shows and radios and whatever, whatnot, and they come up with stupid answers like, you know, why do you wear hijab? Oh, because you know, it allows me to not have to waste time washing my hair in the morning. Yeah? This is the stupidity of people that are representing us on our religion uh, you know, publicly. Why do you pray five times a day? Well, this is Allah's uh, grace upon us. It allows us to practice anaerobic exercise and to stretch ourselves and achieve yoga uh, thingies. You see all these people, they do all these studies. 
yani of you know the the the, the physiological benefits <gasps> of sajda. Are you flipping kidding me? Yani you think that the sajda was obligated because of physiological benefits? Or was it yani to test whether you are willing to completely humiliate yourself? Because you would never ever do that to a human being. You would never ever do that to a human being. It would be complete and utter humiliation or defeat or whatever to do that to a human being. Allah is saying, I want you to do it to me. And by the way, it will not be humiliation for you. It will be just a, it will be perfection for you as, as a human being. That's the motivation. But the truth is, is that if we didn't know the hadith or, or had the motivation, it's still yani, a command and it's a ta'a. It's a ta'a which is being judged. It's obedience which is being judged ultimately. Not the salah or the manna. These are, the, these are, these are details which are very flexible. Because if we come across a paraplegic, we're not going to put any of these obligations upon him. We come across someone who's mute, we're not going to put any of these upon him. If we've got a person who's got no money, we're not going to make him pay a single penny. We're going to put, come across a woman who hasn't got no money, who hasn't, she's never going to see hajj or think of hajj or give charity or whatever. If we come across a person who becomes a new Muslim, enters into jihad, prayer is irrelevant. Yeah, and if we come across Hanzala when he wants to enter the battle and he's in a state of junub, we don't even care about ghusl. The angels will make ghusl for you. You get the point where I'm saying? That all of these acts of worship are just expressions of a single focal requirement, focus requirement from slaves, and that is obedience, sacrifice and submission. It's very, very important that when you're in an act of worship and you forget that value, you forget that feeling, that you remind yourself via the takbir, Allahu Akbar, what am I doing? Let me get myself back in the game here. Let me get myself focused back again. Um, and this will now move on then, I think, to what, because uh, the next part, I mean, I'm jumping the gun, but I just want to just finish the, the thread. You know, how do we understand the reasons behind these things is difficult, يعني, because it's human interpretation. Like, why do we raise our hands, for example? And I do think that there is a connection with the raising of the hands in the kind of just like, you know, um, and many scholars said all different types of things. And all of them could be as good as the other or as rubbish as the other because there's no evidence from the sunnah of why we raise our hands. Okay? But I do think that it is kind of almost like an expression, an opening up that, you know, you know just, just like yani, ta'zim. Just the, the ta'zim of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is why. Now, that's, why, that's how I feel anyway. That's how I feel. That's why when I raise my hands, I get very irritated when I see people who do this kind of nonsense. You know, playing with their hands. So instead of like, you know, raising their hands, they just kind of go like that. Basically, yani, golf Arabs. They get so, yani, used to the game that they just kind of do this. You know what I'm saying? Their hands don't even move from their, from their thingy. And, uh, 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 but there's a danger there, you see. I've made a judgment on that person. Very irritated by that such a person. Because in my mind, I have a mental belief of what is actually meant to be happening here. So I, I, I always like to lay, risk my, raise my hands and hold it a bit even, even as well. That's dangerous because you're starting to move it out of the sunnah. Because do we have any evidence from the Prophet Sallallahu that when, when that he can or can he can uh, uh, there's no evidence that when he would raise his hands there was a pause we could have a debate of what does raising mean does raising mean slow does raising mean flip what, what, what is that what, what is this act raising means to raise right 
what, what would describe that? I don't know. I can't even think of an English word, let alone an Arabic one. Okay? But the, so, the, uh, so I do think that it can be justified to have that kind of idea that, you know, to hold it a little bit is acceptable because it generally comes under the concept of raising. But I do believe that the hadith keep it so simple with no description that a person shouldn't play around with, you know, like hold the hands. Because a person could then technically say that I can follow the hadith but, and keep my hands up here like this. You know, if you were to try and use too much aql to try and explain these things, and you were to say, for example, that the raising of the hands is my kind of accepting of submission, and that, you know, like, imagine a lion was coming to attack you, or to jump up, to jump at you, you'd, you'd, you'd put your hands out, right, to kind of, like, you know, protect your face. So you could argue that the putting out of the hands or the raising, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. If a lion was jumping, you wouldn't put your hands here. Or even if you were to try to stave it off from your body, you also wouldn't put it here. You would put your hands up there. This is the problem with the aql when it starts to get too wild. If you start to now justify that this is a kind of, you know, me expressing complete and utter submission to the what's in front of me, and therefore when I raise my hands, I'm doing this to, to do this to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? It gets silly person could turn around and say that's just nonsense and because once you because once you rationally try to prove something you can be rationally disproved that's why it's always best to stay safe and stick to divine reasoning there is no understanding we don't have any evidences we don't know why and that's it this is also something not related to takbir al-ihram but later in the as you all know the hanafis they don't raise their hands during the salah the other madhahib do malik doesn't either okay but there's they've also got ridiculous statements as well this is what happens when you lose the plot when you start to use too much aql they you will see in their books some classic lines that the raising of that because the hadith are in bukhari it's a very big issue for the hanafis of how to deal with the hadith of raising hands yes so they've they've always had different approaches you'd not hear this from top scholars of course okay the top scholars will go for the hadith and focus on the hadith and they'll focus on but those that are not yani, but are a larger voice or a louder voice, they said things like, well, in the early years of the da'wah, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was giving da'wah to the, the companions, they were weak in their faith. And they always, yani, they used to carry idols underneath their arms. Honestly, it's in their books. They used to keep yani, the aslam underneath their arms. And so the Prophet ﷺ legislated the uh, raising of the hands so that the idols would fall down. Can you believe that? Coming from a madhab, from a school of fiqh, and, but, but it's expected once you reduce these arguments to rational arguments. They're not rational. You either take it or you don't. Because it's yani, in the Quran and Sunnah, and that's how we... Uh, yani, that's... Uh, that's uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, what else? Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. What can we say next? Any questions so far? There's something nice. It's nice Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar is here. We can have some fun with him as well. Because whenever the Sheikh says, Mas'ala. كيف النطقو بهذه الكلمة? Sheikh, you look dead by the way. <laughs> Are you alive today? Yes. Okay. Allahu Akbar. What's the answer to this question, Sheikh? No, he's, he wants to know. 
what he intend let me uh, let me be fair what he's intending is the salah within the salah so sheikh Uthameen says is how do you pronounce the takbir during the prayer do you understand what that means what they're talking about is that do you change the form of because the word is allahu akbar yes uh, let's just also spend a few seconds on that the uh, lazul jalala the uh, what's the nice translation for lafzul jalala? The divine name. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, the divine name. Okay, the exalted name. Okay, the exalted name, the divine name, which is always Allah. He's always said mufakham, thick. Yeah, not like in some kind of gay voice. No, like Allah. You know what I'm trying to say? Said like a Allah. You know, proper. Unless, yes, we're talking uh, in the takbir, all right? We're not talking about in an ayah, okay? Because lillah and fillah, it is muraqqaq, yani it is uh, recite uh, thingy. I'm talking about yani, when an imam goes thingy like this, and if he goes, Allahu Akbar, you're having a heart attack, basically. <laughs> you're literally yani, thinking, what just happened there? Do you understand what I'm saying? So, you want to hear a nice, proper, Allahu Akbar, yeah, that's first. Second, on the calf of Akbar, a lot of people make the mistake of doing a qalqala. Allahu Akbar, Akbar, Akbar. And that's, that qalqala, this bounce, is only something which happens on a qaf. If it was aqa, it's not, it's not, it's, a, it's ak, not aqa. Yeah? So it's a sharp, you can hear, you can, uh, you can we want to hear that calf, ak, but not ak, not, not a, a, what we call a, a reverberation. All right, and the final one is a strong mufakham bar, and not bar. The ra can't be; it's not because of the the fatha before it on the ba. It can't be bar, can't be weak. So it's Allahu Akbar. Yeah, bar. In a kira'a, fi kira'atin sheikh. Yani ala hakada yani akbar yani murakka al ra. لا في الأكبر لكن هل هناك في قراءة أو الرواية في يعني والراء مرققة في الأكبر؟ I don't think it's possible. I don't even think it's possible. Allah knows best. Okay. And what we ask the question is: it possible for the ra to be light, أكبر, in a قراءة or رواية from the عشر قراءات or روايات? I don't think so. Any, any, any قراءة is saying. Yani he's saying, is it possible for a, a, a ra to be muraqqaq in a qira'ah when it's sakin? No, I don't know. Yeah. Which one? Yes, but it's muraqqaq, it is muraqqaq, bir. No, no, qabla fatha. Yes. Yeah. One moment is saying, ra'sakin, when there is a fatha before it. Yes. Okay. So, um. Sorry, if you ask the agencies, like Fir'aun, Yeah. Fir? Yeah, but that's because it's a kasra before it. Yeah. 
The question, though, that Sheikh Uthameen is saying is something that actually me and Sheikh uh, Abdul Ghaffar had a discussion about years ago. And that is the, recita- the, 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 the pronunciation of Akbar at different aspects of the prayer. So everyone recognizes, because it's a very kind of, uh, 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 what's the word, layman kind of thing, that they know that they're late to the prayer or that this prayer is over because the imam from the last sajda, he goes, Allahu Akbar. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm. Yep. Whereas in the first rak'ah, when he's standing up, okay, it's Allahu Akbar, isn't it? Right? So that's the question now. Does the takbir change or not? So if you think about the opening takbir, it's normally Allahu Akbar. Yep. Right? It's a louder one. It's a longer one. Okay? But when you're in sajda, when you're going down, it's Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. You see the differences? There's, there's clear, clear differences. Not just difference in length, but in intonation as well, where you're putting the emphasis, right? And if you're then stopping for two raka'ah, you kind of mentally say to yourself, I want to make it clear that I'm stopping for two raka'ah and this is not the end. So you'll say, Allahu Akbar, isn't it? No, no, this is a, a human thing, not, not, a, not a culture. I think, I think correct me, but I, I think Moroccans and the West don't do this. They no, I think, I think humans do it uh, uh, based upon a decision to try and control uh, uh, a couple of reasons, as Sheikh Uthameen uh, identifies, want to control the jama'ah, what that means is to let everyone have the best chance of knowing where we are and so that you kind of, you know, feel in the game. And there's some sense there, especially from a sister's point of view. Think about it from a sister's point of view. They're behind a barrier, got no idea, and they've got to make, the, you know, imagine. Honestly, I've got no idea how women pray. I swear, I have no idea. By the way, you know, we had this discussion last week about masajid and lattices. I went into, um, I think it was Rizmina, actually. She, she, po- she said that uh, it was... Uh, Al-Manar Center in London that has it. And I went there and it does. Uh, and I was in Regent's Park as well. Uh, uh, and it does as well. The, the lattices are not so thick that you can't, can't see the imam. It's good. It's a good model. People can, the, the women can all see the imam uh, because the Manar, Manar Masjid, uh, Labrook Grove Masjid, uh, is a, a lot shorter. So the women are on top. They can see you know, very easily. Obviously, Regent's Park Masjid, it's a massive hall, so you're really quite far back, frankly. But in any other masjid, you're walking into a barrier, right? And you're lining up, and you're saying Allah Akbar to yourself, and you ain't got a dali, which takbir, you know, the imam just said. He could say Allahu Akbar, you don't know whether that's Allahu Akbar to go to a ruku'ah, 
Allah Akbar to go to a sujood, Allah Akbar to be the penultimate takbir of the prayer before taslim. You see what I'm saying? That's a very real problem. So how do imams try to mitigate that? Well, I can definitely see myself justifying myself, knowing that I've got sisters behind me, going, Allahu Akbar. And definitely that, that, that would be one that would be going for rukua or for going for sujood. And never using that any other place. And definitely the end, after praying four raka'a dhuhr, Allahu Akbar. There's no doubt that everyone hears that and says, this prayer is finished. He's basically kind of said, right, that's enough. We're done. So that's the human justification. I'm trying to help people who are coming late, coming whatever, whatnot. Now, Sheikh Uthameen is going to have his say on this, right? So he says, some of the scholars, they said, Yukrah, tamtitu takbir. The word is tamtit. Okay? Yani, to, to elongate the takbir. Allahu Akbar. You know, the elongation. Okay? Hatta fin nuhud min sujood ila qiyami ma'atul in nuhud. Yani, especially when it comes to the long time getting up, long time getting down from sajda and going up. You see a person, you know, they'll come up from sajda. They'll go, Allah, you know, because instead, you know, they might be on, on their knees and they're trying to get the strength to get up and they'll keep it going, going, going until they're standing up. Yeah? Okay? And, 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 and. Because, and the, 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 these scholars said it's makru because it's not been narrated from the sunnah and therefore it is a person who is doing it and that's something which has been stated by the fuqaha. Walakin, Sheikh says, but in my opinion, Al-Zahir, Wallahu A'lam, Shaykh says, Allah knows best, but in my opinion, I think there is some flexibility in the issue. And fi hadha wasi'un, ma lam yukhilal bil ma'na. Okay, he goes, I think that the, the situation is flexible as long as you don't change the meaning, as long as you don't start playing around with the word. And that's important, we've had this discussion before, we don't need to take any more uh, bad deeds of others and lose all my good deeds of cussing the muazzins of the haram. But, you know, the big problem there, as you know, is that they're going, you know, And you've lost now about five minutes ago the word Allah. You got left behind the word. And now we just went into that. That's now no longer Allah. You've now changed the meaning. You get what I'm say? You've now gone into a, just a musical sound and you left Allah Subhana, behind. Okay, so as long as you don't go into the issue of changing the meaning, then uh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen is like, I don't mind people uh, kind of. Uh, no, he's not saying I don't mind. He's saying I think that there's some flexibility in people elongating the takbir when they're going from the up to down and down to up. He specifies that specifically. He goes upon the condition that no people believe that it's. Elongation, muddaha, afdalu min qasriha. That the elongation is better than the shortening. So like, you know, if you pray behind the imam and he was going, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, and he was doing that all the way through the prayer, not meaning rushing, but that was the length, then you come afterwards thinking, man, the guy didn't give us any heads up, the guy didn't help us out, it was all a monotonous kind of prayer. Now, if you come out thinking that, then you are to blame. Because there is no excellence in an imam saying, Allahu Akbar. There's no excellence. That's his point that he's making. They're the same. Okay? Unfortunately, some people, that's what they think. Okay? 
So, then he says, because the problem is some people say that for the ruku' you got to have a certain type of takbir, and for the sujood a certain hay'ah, and a jalus hay'ah, wa tashahud hay'ah, wa bayna sajatayn. And it's true actually what he says. It's true. We do perceive a certain type of takbir for, between the sajdas and the ones from the tashahuds, and so on and so forth. And, uh, 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 and, لِأَجْلِ أَنْ يَكُونَ الْمَأْمُومُ خَلْفَكَ آلَةٌ مُتَحَرِّكَةٌ This is where it's actually, he really makes a good point. Sheikh Uthameen says, he goes, it's almost like the people are waiting for these takbirs and see them as a kind of, uh, uh, a instrument of, of, of movement. Yeah, it's there to make them move in a certain way. So the sharp kind of, the sharp kind of Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, you know that coming up from sajda and going back to sajda, is like the short sharp, get up, get back down again. Whereas the one that's coming down from, from qiyam to sajda, Allahu Akbar, right, is like a slow, long descent. And your manner kind of flow with the, and he goes, that's wrong. And he goes, لِأَنَّ الْمَأْمُومِ إِذَا صَارَتَ تَكْبِيرَاتَ تَخْتَلِفْ فَإِنَّهُ يُتَابِعْ هَذَا تَكْبِيرَ He goes, then the people start to become more connected to the sounds than the prayer itself. So much so, that the heart starts to, يعني, just disappear from the actual prayer itself. A person becomes so connected that actually they themselves will move accordingly to the takbir they hear as opposed to the sound they make. We have a certain guilty party here. In this imam, sometimes yani, he will do a takbir in a certain way and people will, will become confused. And that's what Shaykh Uthameen says. That's what Shaykh Uthameen says. He goes, that's why it's good to not follow this system. Like I prayed behind Shaykh uh, Abdul Ghaffar and he's done the fourth yani, classic that we all understand, the fourth closing takbir on the third rak'ah. And everyone has sat down and he stood straight up. And the people know for certain that he's on the third rak'ah, but they've sat down. And it's not, I'm not talking about a mistake from Sheikh where he's hesitating, he's not sure whether he's third or fourth. He, is, he knows, everyone knows, it's a short prayer, there's not been like a long, long prayer that is confusion, whatever, whatnot. Everyone knows that this is the third rak'ah we're meant to stand up. And Imam has stood up. But he's done the takbir of Allahu Akbar. And he's actually stood up the cheeky pack. And everyone is sitting down because they're confused. They're saying, but this is the takbir of sitting down. <laughs> and the imam is standing up. And despite knowing that he's up the third. And that's what Shaykh Uthameen says. He goes, this is what happens to people. Well, I've seen it in my own self. I've seen it in my own self. In this masjid. Let alone other masajid. And me and Shaykh... And most, most people who, most imams who do this, they're not aware of the fiqh issues. They're just doing it out of like, you know, I guess this is how I help people. Whereas me and Sheikh have sat down and discussed the fiqh of this before. And that goes to show that in a masjid where there is knowledge and there is understanding, people do it. So Sheikh Uthameen is spot on to make a point of this. He goes that actually what should happen, that صَارَ الْمَأْمُومُ قَدْ أَحْذَرْ قَلْبَهُ وَفِكْرَهُ this person, he basically loses the plot where he is. Okay? And that's why that Sheikh says, he goes, it's, it's, it's important for people to get rid of this act to make people yani, scared of losing track of where they are in the prayer. He's absolutely right there, by the way. Because 
there are so many people, especially elderly, who come into the prayer every single day, the five-timers, they're, you know, they're, they're every day, the front row folks. It becomes an automatic kiani thing. And you've got to understand where that comes from. You know, we enjoy a better prayer because we're working and we're not there and we come and we enjoy the prayer. We come and we like looking forward to it. Whereas you've got the people who are there every single day, five times a day. Their mentality is different. They kind of, you know, they come in and they go into the prayer, same old, same old. So they become very attached and used to the form of the takbir. And they can switch off and not need to worry. This is the point. They can switch off and they know that the sound will keep them in check. Now imagine that a new imam comes or the imam basically says, that's it. I'm going to just do equal takbir lengths. That guy now has to be present. He's got to now be thinking, right, I've got to be really concentrating here. And that, of course, is the maqsad of the prayer. So it's actually a requirement sometimes. And that's a really nice point Sheikh Uthimi makes. He goes that outside of the legal discussion, there is the practical one that's needed. Which is that sometimes you require the imam to do something to change the game. To make people more yani, focused. You get what I'm saying? And anyway, Sheikh then says, Actually, more important than all of that is to follow the sunnah. And if there is yani, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ didn't change it, and the musalleen will then will become more present in the prayer, then it's good to keep it yani, short without the changing of uh, uh, the length. And that's basically everything on the takbir. Okay? We'll have the adhan, and then we'll do the questions uh, in the class and online. You can put your questions uh, uh, on the uh, thingy. Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah Akbar Allah
محمد وعلى رحمه ما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ابراهيم وعلى ابراهيم وعلى ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم رب هذه الدوله تمام الصلاه ات محمد المصيب والرجل وبعث مقام محمود الذي واتاه انك لا تخلق المياد اوكي كويشنز ان كلاس All right. Um, go go to the actual questions. Is there any? Reciting salah with a voice is not a condition. So what about moving the lips? Is it required? Yes, because it's not possible to recite the some words or letters whilst you're maintaining your lips closed. So it's not the voice which is the condition. It is that the letters are pronounced and the lips are required for pronunciation. Okay. Um, Uh, okay, so it's important. I take the contraceptive pill, and so I have a very regular period. For the past year, I've noticed that after my usual break of five days, I begin to bleed again after I have uh, relations. At first, I used to ignore and pray, but sometimes it lasts a couple of days. Um, sometimes it lasts a couple of days, and it feels like hell, <laughs> but I'm not too sure. There's not enough information in this, uh, in this question. The usual break is the break in the pill. Yeah. Yeah, the problem yeah, the problem here is that the menstruation is not based upon the five days of the fill the, the pill free period, but rather upon whatever happens. That's what the ruling is based upon. So you, we need then you need to just make determination on the actual blood itself. So then the rules of menstrual blood and non-menstrual blood then come into play, and not necessarily the length of time. Yani there needs to be a, a discerning between the two types of blood. There's, it requires more detail. It's very difficult to answer menstruation questions like that. Uh, further up. Okay. Are there, any, are there any other questions? If there's not, then I'm going to continue. Okay. So then. Rafi'an yadayhi We have good 10 minutes So it's, it's worth we carry on Rafi'an yadayhi So he says Yaqulu Allahu Akbar Rafi'an yadayhi Whilst raising his hands Okay That is the state That a person is in When they say Allahu Akbar Right Now What's the evidence of that? A number of hadith In fact We have over 50 hadith that authentically narrate the raising of the hands of the Prophet ﷺ when it comes to the prayer. Especially so when it comes to the beginning of the prayer. Because some of them mention the beginning only, some of them mention three, and some of them mention four okay, points in the, in the prayer. The raising of the hands in the prayer has been narrated from 60 sahaba, 60 of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. That's why it is considered to be a mutawatir act meaning that it's not possible for all of these companions to have actually colluded and lied about it or made a mistake on the issue. Far too many companions at far too many different time zones at far too many different locations, yani doing a singular act in a regular fashion make it impossible from a physical way for it to be a false act. 
And one of the most interesting things is that even the scholars that differed over the issue of the raising of the hands, basically Malikis and Hanafis versus Shafi's, Hanbalis and the rest of the Salaf, okay, even the scholars that didn't raise the hands within the prayer, they agreed that it is a sunnah to raise the hands at the beginning of the Salah. A sunnah, okay? None of the scholars that are considered from the people of fiqh consider it to be an obligation to raise the hands. Evidence, the hadith of al-Musi fi salatihi, sah? Last time that we did the hadith last week, when the man said, alimni ya Rasulullah, because I don't know anything else than this. Teach me, O Prophet, because I don't know any more than what I've just tried three times. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, stand up for kabbir. Stand up, say yani, the takbir, and then start the Fatiha, uh, yani, recite the Quran. And, and, and. and this hadith does not say, raise your hands. This is strong enough to us, for us to understand, therefore, that the raising of the hands is a sunnah and not an obligation. There are, as I said, 50 plus hadith, 60 companions, mutawatir act. The most famous of the hadith are two hadith which is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari. That Imam, that Sheikh Uthameen narrates at the top of page 26. He says, for example, the hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma. May Allah be pleased with him and his father that the Prophet sallallahu used to raise his hands to the level of his shoulders. When he would open the prayer. When he would make takbir and go for ruku'. And when he would lift his, ha- his head coming up from ruku'. This hadith has been narrated by Al-Bukhari in the chapter of Al-Adhan. The chapter titled... Raising of the hands when you say keb, when you make the takbir, when you go for ruku' and when you come back up. This hadith has also been narrated by, that's hadith number 739. This has also been narrated in, uh, by Imam Muslim in the chapter of prayer, uh, 390, etc. The other hadith which is famous uh, is also on the authority of uh, Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhuma, and uh, that he would, يرفعه, that the Prophet وسلم, الجلس, يعني that the Prophet وسلم, would also raise his hands when he would stand up from the first sitting, يعني after two raka'ah in a four raka'ah prayer. That's also narrated by Bukhari in the chapter of Adhan as well. Hadith number 739. So this is something which. Um, indicates that from the Sahih Sunnah, there are four positions that the hands are raised according to the majority of scholars. And as I said, 60 of the companions, a Tawatur act and 50 plus a hadith which I cannot yani, deny this practice. These four positions are at the beginning of the prayer, when you say Allahu Akbar, when you go for ruku'ah, when you come back up from ruku'ah, and when you stand up after the first tashahud i.e. in Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib and Isha, when you're standing up after Tashahud, these are the positions or the places, if you like, um, uh, where a person will say it. Next question that needs to be asked is that how and when do they say it? Yani at what point? Is there a relationship between statement and action? And there are three statements, there are three positions of the uh, scholars, or three opinions, rather. Um, the... First one is um, what did he say with the first one? 
that you start by saying Allahu Akbar and then you raise your hands. So you stand there and you say Allahu Akbar. So takbir comes before the actual rafa, uh, the raising of the hands. Okay, whether it's here or there or there or whatever. The second, as by the scholars, is that you combine it. So it's Allahu Akbar. So it's said at the same time. Both at the, uh, at the same yani, time of statement is the raising of the hands. And then the third is that a person will, will raise his hands. Allahu Akbar. So the, the, the raising comes first and then the takbir comes afterwards. And Sheikh says, لا يعلم قائلا يقول بالتكبير قبل الرفع يعني when you look at all these positions and you look at يعني, where they, these opinions come from or these possibilities come from none of the scholars ever possibly said that a person says Allahu Akbar that's not يعني, possible and there are some people that said Allahu Akbar meaning that you raise your hands and say takbir but the vast majority of the scholars all of the practically all of the scholars said that there should be jama' that a person should be making the takbir and, and the, the statement in one fluid motion. In one fluid motion. Now, one fluid motion basically means you're combining between the two acts. Now, I want, you to th- I want you to focus very carefully here. A normal Muslim, normal practicing person who has a general understanding of his deen, knows that there is no such thing as a verbal intention. We spoke about this in so much detail. And so therefore it's quite easy for a person to stand in the prayer line and say Allahu Akbar. However, the problem is with us lot. Desi lot, apna lot, okay? We want to recite a whole essay to ourselves of our niyat. So it's like, Me jarqat me blah blah blah, faraz imam sharif blah blah, whatever blah 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 blah. And if you're, that's if you're Punjabi. And if you're the thingy like me, this Imam blah 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 blah. And if you're Arabi, no way to salute this that blah 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 blah. And if you're Somali, Abdul Ghafar, what's the Somali version? There you have it. Don't you dare think that the Somalis are less ignorant than us Pakistanis. No, 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 at all. I taught this class in Toronto. There were 300 Somalis there, and they all read the same niyat to me. No, no, in Somali. So they're, they're, they're making their big essay, and then when they get to the end of it, it's Allahu Akbar. That's a problem. Because this is neither of the three opinions, it's like a, a whole different one. The Sunnah is to say Allahu Akbar. Not to stand there waiting, 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 and then. Yeah? Anyway, there are many problems we could talk about, but yeah, we don't. It is time for salah. Zakumullah khair, subhanakallah, mubihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Wastaghfiruk Allahum wa atubu ilayk. What announcements do we have? Anything? Next weekend is a class. This weekend in Birmingham on Saturday and in Edinburgh on Sunday. Next weekend it will be Manchester Protector's House. So make sure you don't miss that, otherwise it's another six years before that comes around. Okay. We're going to do salah as well. We're going to show... The prayer as we will every day. Keep an eye on the prayer times as well. Exactly.